Good morning. How you guys doing? My name's Joel. If you don't know me online, I'm usually back in the buying kids ministry and uh, and love being back there with kids. Been working in kids ministry for several years now, but uh, so glad I get to be with you guys today to help answer one of these questions that uh, seems to be a common question among a lot of people uh, now. Um, and in our world, uh, right now, there's a, people, a lot of people with a lot of questions about a lot of different things. And this is one that uh, I've heard it before. And uh, the question is, uh, what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Well, I don't know about you, but I imagine many of you have heard this verse like thousands of times in your lives. I have. I probably heard it preached and heard it spoken and read it myself. But uh, for some reason, this, this has been like two weeks I've been working on this, and it was like God just says, here it is, and I did it, and I, can't, I couldn't go back to it. I tried looking at it this morning. He's like, nope, don't do that. You do what I'm giving you in the moment, and quit worrying about that. So, okay, here it comes. Uh, but anyway, in my crazy mind, as I've read this verse a thousand times, uh, John 14, 6, I've read it all these times, heard it all these times, and as I'm studying it a couple weeks ago, I noticed something at the beginning of it, because I think we've got to settle something first before we go into the meat of this question. Uh, who is Jesus? Who is he to you? Who is he to the, the people who are watching online? I mean, who is he really to you? This question was something that was popping up in his own followers, his disciples, and a lot of this, this what we're going through today is all based because of a conversation that he had in this chapter about with him and his disciples. And if we go back, uh, as I read this verse, and right after it said, and this is just what caught me, my, my weird way of thinking, I don't know where it was God or just my craziness or whatever, but it says, Jesus said to him, what's those next two words? I am. Anybody ever seen those words before? You ever heard of that? I am. Uh, let's go back to Exodus. Uh, Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. Uh, God was trying to get Moses to go be the deliverer for the Israelites who were in Egypt in slavery, remember? And Moses was making all these excuses about why he didn't want to do what he was supposed to do. And then he, one of his last questions to God in Exodus was, okay, so I'm going, but who do I say sent me? And God's like, just tell him I am sent me, sent you, right? So when I read this verse for the first time in my life that I've read it, I'm going like, I am. Okay, so that took me back to this verse in Exodus and then uh, let's, let's go on to Isaiah 48, 12, because this, this stuff just started rolling through my head. And listen to God describe himself. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel whom I called. I am he. I am the first. I am, I am also the last. This I am stuff keeps popping up. You see, because Jesus is part of the I am. Well, you know, we, we learn a lot about the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But Jesus himself is I am. And that's what started this whole conversation about this particular verse in John 14, 6. And if we read the whole thing, it's 
Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But, you know, we don't have time to dive into all those names that the Bible lists for God and for Jesus. That would take us all day, and y'all want to get home before supper. So, um, but even in his small group of disciples, there were so many questions from these guys, and all you got to do is read the Gospels, and you'll, you'll, you know, this is a real dysfunctional bunch, and they'll ask some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen, and you're going to see in a minute what I'm talking about, but listen to what Philip asked Jesus right after he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, in John 14, 8, and 10. This is what Philip said to him right after that. Uh, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, Philip? And yet you have not come to know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Show us the Father. He's like, wait, wait, boys, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of other religions. If you've been following the Bible out plan this week, a lot of it's been talking about uh, Islam, Muhammad, and the Koran, and you got Buddha and Hinduism, and there were a lot of other prophets for a lot of other religions. And they go through all the, you know, the, the pillars of Islam and um uh, Hinduism's got some of the same aspects, that it, the things you have to do to attain, you know, uh, eternal life or the next life or next reality or whatever it is. But all of all those prophets, of all the people who taught about other religions, Jesus was the only one who claimed to be God himself. He didn't say, I'm, I'm going to tell you about my father. He said, you looking at me, Philip? You looking at the Father. I'm just going to paraphrase it, John. That's the quickest way I know to do it. But so you see, these guys had this idea in their head that Jesus was going to be a Messiah, a deliverer like Moses had been. That's why I made the reference back to Moses. Moses was going to Egypt, tell you know, Pharaoh, let my people go, all this stuff. This was this kind of stuff that was going through the disciples' head. Okay, Jesus is deliverer. Well, guess what? We're going to throw off Roman rule, and we're going to be a, a great kingdom again. They're thinking about the here and now. Jesus is talking on one level, and they're thinking on an earthly level, physical right now. Um, but when Jesus, when Philip said this, Jesus answered that question. He settled it. He was God's son. They were one and the same. So, we have to settle that identity of who he was. He was God himself, a living, breathing person, walking with them every day. And I just want to go look at one of my favorite chapters in the, in the Bible, and it's 1 John. And it's, this is, if you don't read any other Bible, if you're watching online, if you don't read any other book in the Bible, just go to John and start reading. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're just going, wow. But the first chapter of First uh, John always amazes me because it tells you more about Jesus. If you dig into it, then you, you'll ever be able to really understand and comprehend, and it's just wow. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus has been and always will be because he is God. He is part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in fact, according to 1 John, you and I wouldn't be here without him because it says everything was created through him. Listen to what Jesus says in the last chapter of Revelations. He describes himself. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Disciples and the other, you know, people that followed Jesus around, and there were a crowd. There were way more than the disciples that followed Jesus. A lot of them left him by the time he was crucified, if you read, if you read through the Scripture. But they didn't have the Bible that we have now. They didn't have it in the form we have it. You, you know, you probably got an app on your phone, or you, you got a physical Bible like I do or at home uh, that I use a lot. But they didn't have that to tell them all the stuff that we know now in the form that it is. They had Scriptures that they had to go to the temple and read. But they didn't understand that Jesus didn't come to restore an earthly kingdom, as all of them thought. Jesus came to do one thing. Jesus came to repair what sin had broken. In the Garden of Eden, when, God, when Adam and Eve sinned, that, that, that sin was like an infection, a cancer that got us all from then on. And there was only one way that it could be fixed, and that was Jesus. And um, if you want to dig more into the identity of Jesus and who he is, there's a great podcast, Hope Rising Ministries, Alex and Trey get into the Trinity. It's episode number 75. Get in, go, go look it up on the podcast, Hope Rising Ministries, episode 75, and you can dive into uh, the identity of Jesus and who he was as far as the Trinity. But I had to settle that before we could go into this, because if you don't know who Jesus is, what he's about to say is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. So let's talk about, he says, I am the way. What does he mean by the way? Now, what is a way? A way is what? Like a route, a path, some way to get from point A to point B, right? And not just a road map kind of path or, or in the woods, uh, it's, it could be from one state of living to another. Maybe you want to get edu education. You go to college or you want to get, you know, a degree or maybe you want to do something financially and make your family. It's, it's a plan to get from one place to the other, right? So um, when Jesus said he was the way, um, Jesus had, had already told Thomas this uh, back in John 14, 2 through 5. And let's look at it. Let, we got to look back at how all this conversation started. So in John 14, 2 through 5, this is what Jesus said. He said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. Some, some uh, versions call it mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. So that where I am, there you will be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? 
Don't you get a little upset with people when you're having these conversations <laughs> and you just tell somebody something. I worked in a bearing industry for a long time and I had a lot of conversations with engineers and customers and you'd be talking to them about something. And I know Ruby does it with her business. You'd be telling, you just finished telling them something. It's like, but uh, we don't know what the way, you know, understand what you just meant. So I know Jesus was like, man, dude, come on, Thomas. Uh, but you ever get lost? I do. I do all the time. Everybody got a cell phone? I got one. It's got a got that map app in it, right? Uh, it'll you put a destination in this thing. It'll give you the route. It'll give you uh, how far it is, and it'll tell you what time you're gonna be there, right? Mm-hmm. But I still get lost. <laughs> You know what? That thing won't tell you when a subdivision's closed over near Concord Mills Mall and you got to get to Bass Pro Shop and it's right there, but there's a big blockade right in front of you. Yeah, I did that. Uh-huh. Ask, you just ask Fred. I get lost all the time. But when we think we know where we're going and we really don't know where we're going, that's how we get lost. But God, thankfully, left us some directions. When Jesus said, I am the way, God left us some directions. And it's in the Bible. Um, you may have an app like I do or a physical Bible with you today, but, you know, when man blew it all up in the Garden of Eden, uh, God already had a plan. And I want you to understand something. We didn't surprise, Adam and Eve didn't surprise God. They, he knew when, they cre when he created them, they were going to mess up. You're talking about a God who stands outside of time, uh, I laugh at my friends who talk about predestination all the time. I'm going like, how does God predestine stuff that he's time not bound? He's not bound by time. I said, that's a concept that's wild if you start really thinking about it. But even from the beginning, when man made the first mistake and sin invaded our lives and destroyed that relationship with God, God already had a plan in place to restore our, our walk with him, as Adam and Eve had walked, he, he was on, he's already at work to restore that. And the way he was doing that was through Jesus. The only way we could ever have another, an eternal relationship. See, God didn't want Adam and Eve to die in the Garden of Eden. They were going to live forever with him. Sin is what invaded our lives and is, it caused death and all the other things that we deal with. But God was at work to restore that relationship, and the way he was going to do it was Jesus. And if you want to know the way to that relationship, back to that relationship, and it's not, it's not what the disciples were thinking, the way back to Israel being a big kingdom again, and, and we're going to have all this stuff, and everybody, you know, Israel went through these big cycles up and down. They, they, get, they get real big, you know, and wealthy, and everything's going good, and the next king comes along, and they do something really and just blow it and start worshiping other gods, and then they slide off down the hill, and God will punish them again. They were thinking, well, here, we're going to have an earthly kingdom again, and God's like, N and Jesus is, no, that's not what this is about. This is about way more than that. This is about restoring a personal relationship with me and my father. So he left us everything we need to know on how to repair what we broke. He left us the Bible to tell us how to repair, you know, our relationship with God. And uh, 
We have to listen to Jesus and do what he says to get those directions. And the only way you can do that is dive into his word and listen to him. And that's the main thing. And our first bullet point, Jesus is the way to an eternal relationship with God. That's what he was pointing the disciples to. He wasn't pointing to some, some pie-in-the-sky kingdom or there was th times in the New Testament when the disciples were, who's going to be the greatest? And I'm only, who's going to get to sit beside Jesus? On the, you know, and he's like, dude, what am I doing? But I, I can just, I can hear, you know, I would just love to see the video. I hope in heaven they've got a video of Jesus when some of these things are going on. I want to see it. <laughs> but you like, you, that's funny, but I mean, I still would love to see it. All right, moving on. The next one is sanctify, and here's what Jesus said about the truth. Uh, being the truth. He says, so Jesus said he was the way, and now he says he's the truth. Today, <laughs> boy, turn the TV on. If you think you know the truth, there's 50 different networks who are trying to cast a, a different turn on everything. Man, I'm telling you, uh, if you, if you listen to TikTok and and Facebook and all these, and the networks and all this stuff, right now, um, trying to find truth in our world is like trying to stand up on the ground during an earthquake. That's the only thing I can relate it to. Everything is just um, so mixed up and so many people have their own version of the truth. I've heard it said before by individuals, you know, that um, truth is whatever it is to an individual. But I want you to hear something that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed for all of us in uh, John 17. If you hadn't read that prayer, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus or you want to know Jesus, I'll, go back and when you get time and read that whole 17th chapter of John where he, where he and there's a prayer in there where he plays, prays for all of us. And this is one part of that prayer. And Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth. He's talking, he's praying to his father. Your word is truth. So let's rewind. Who is Jesus referred to as in John 1? In the beginning was the Word. Okay? Jesus is referred to as Word. And that's not like Word. And not that. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. They referred to Jesus as the Word. And uh, the Word was God, right? So. In a way, Jesus is referring to himself because the word is the truth. So Jesus himself was the word, the embodiment, embodiment of truth of God's son. It's God's son. So if you and I need to know what's right or wrong, guess who you can go to all the time? He's 100% correct on everything. Promise. He is. Whatever it is, good, bad, ugly, if you want to know what it is, if you've got a question about anything in life, you can go to Jesus. He will answer it. He, he will answer it. It's in, the, it's in Scripture. There have been a lot of books written, a lot of ideas, a lot of uh, thoughts on schools of thought on different things. But if there, if there were any value, most of them originated with something that came out of the Bible. So always go back to his word, you know. But the thing of it is we have a choice to make. We can let culture or celebrities, or TikTok, or Facebook, or <sighs> politicians, your friends, your family, 
uh, we can let all those things define what truth is in our lives, or we can accept what Jesus says is truth. And, and my advice would be uh, choose Jesus because he's never going to let you down. Uh, like my boy Dabo says at Clemson, it's all in. It's all in or nothing. Really, it is. That's what he wants in a relationship with him. He doesn't want you to, oh, well, I'll run it. I'll go with you on that one, Jesus, but I'm not going to go with you on this thing. Whatever, whatever's going on in culture, always choose to go see what Jesus says about it. If you don't know, get somebody that maybe is a little bit further along in their walk with Christ and let them help walk you through it. Because Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and who does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell and great was its fall. If our truth is founded on anything else except Jesus, we're like somebody who built your house on that, on that sand. You're building your house in an earthquake zone, and every time the, the truth changes, the foundation shifts. And John can tell you what happens to something when the foundation starts going bad. The whole, the whole structure starts to fall. You can't, you can't build something on something that's shaky. So if you want to build your house on, you know, um, you want to build your house on something that's solid and it's going to last you from now on, build it on the truth of Jesus. Because our second bullet point is Jesus is the Word, and the Word defines truth for us, uh, not culture. If you go down that road, you know, I don't care, politics, won't be long, we're going to have another political, you know, thing going on in our country always, you know, I've told my kids, I don't vote parties. I vote the person that's the closest to the way God says, this is the way we should live, period. I'll do that every time. And with every decision we make in our life, it should be the same way. Next, Jesus said he was the life. So what did he mean by that? You know, we, we think of life today, we think of living things that breathe and live, and they got some sort of function, right? But a lot of us think of life and it's like, oh, maybe it's the things we're going to accomplish, uh, accolades we're going, you know, things that people are going to say about us, uh, what we're going to leave our kids behind, the difference we're going to make in our community, our nation, our world. We want to, we want to be the person that steps up and uh, does the, you know, does the next best thing and makes life better for everybody else. Uh, and all, some of those things are really good. Uh, maybe a great life to you is home on a secluded beach somewhere or a mountaintop in a mountain chalet. John was talking about uh, a house a while ago that somebody's got a, 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 being, a bed and breakfast that's somewhere, and, and it's, I was just like, wow, man, that would be really cool to stay in a place like that. It's a silo-type silo um, home, which I think would be really cool, but when, a lot of people think that's what life is, you know. It's what we can build now, what we can collect now, what we're going to leave behind. And uh, But let's look at the definition of life according to the dictionary. 
The condition that stink distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. There you go. That's it. Welcome to the world. But uh, in John 1, 3, John says this about Jesus. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus was the source of life. He was there in the beginning, our lives. You go back to the first, the first verses in that chapter, remember it says all things, all things came into being through him. So let's think about this. If Jesus is the source of life, our lives, if he is the reason we're here in the first place on this earth and, are, and where we originated at, why do we so try so hard to find meaning in other things? I mean, really. I mean, we, we put our time and money and effort into so many things in this world, and they don't satisfy us, and we wind up still feeling uh, left out or empty. And the reason could be because we're trying to find something to make a life out of some, you know, something other than Jesus. I loved uh, Louis Giglio. If you all know Louis Giglio in Passion Church in Atlanta, uh, a few years ago, I got to see him at a conference. But one of, the, one of the things that you can find it on YouTube and look at it, he had a scientist on stage at his church. And uh, one of the things um, the guy was talking about, I can't remember his name, but I do remember what he was talking about. And he was talking about a, the laminin molecule. I don't know if anybody saw that or not. But the laminin molecule is like the super glue of cells. It holds the cells together. And a uh, really interesting uh, thing, you can pull it up on YouTube and watch it. Just type in laminin, uh, Louis Giglio, and you'll, you'll find that video the guy's talking about on stage. He goes in a lot more detail than I will. But let's just say the laminin is the super glue of the cell. Guess what shape the laminin molecule is? It's a cross. Shape of a cross. And I just, it still, it still gives me chills to think about it. Everything that holds this world together, that holds you and I together, is held together by a laminin molecule. The cells would fly apart if they didn't have a laminate molecule in it. So all the living, breathing organisms are all held together by something that looks like a cross. You think, you think that was just by chance? No way. Now they're finding out like the strands of DNA in our body. Her, it was, one scientist was like, man, it looks like somebody is orchestrated the way these things go I'm going like duh but that you know this is not just random God was at work in the creation of us and Jesus was there in the middle of it you know our lives are limited according to the definition you remember what that last thing of that definition says preceding death in other words the dash between your birth and your death on your tombstone. Uh, I love what um, 
was it Billy Graham's wife when she died? She had to put on her tombstone, end of construction. Love it. Because that's what we that's where we're at. We're in in those years. That's all you've got without Jesus. Is you've got those years and that dash in between that dash on your tombstone. That's all you're gonna have. Jesus came to fix that. And uh many of us live that way. Uh, just trying to get as much done as we can in that dash. But let's look at this. And 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Jesus changes the definition of life because he offers us something way more than we'll ever gain right here. He says we're created not just for right now, we were created for eternity. That's what God's intention was in the beginning. And uh, all these guys in his little group, they're thinking Jesus came back to restore the kingdom, make them, you know, his uh, lieutenants or whatever. And Jesus says, you don't get it, boys. I came back to do something way more important than that. I'm going to fix what you broke. I'm going to fix what you broke. And if you follow me, you can... You cool. You can follow me from now on from, for eternity. The choice is ours to make, though. We have a choice to make. Everybody does. Um, you know, we, we can place our hope in Jesus. We can walk with him in this life and in the next, spend eternity with him. Or we can choose to do our own thing in that dash between those two numbers on our tombstone. And it's, and it's pretty much over after that. Because you have to have a relationship with him to know the way, the truth, and the life. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, um, well, a couple of them. Um, but I, lo- I do love that verse. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In Matthew sixteen twenty five, I love that. Because you can't hold on to that dash what those years are and walk with God and walk with Jesus. You have to be willing to let it go. And and how many of us are willing to, I mean, let it go now. Let it go, let it go. Don't get me me going in it. But anyway, um, that's what he's doing. Jesus doesn't want to just follow him for eternity, though. This this is a day-to-day thing. He wants a relationship with you where you're walking and living with him every day, where you're getting into his word, listening, reading it, and listening to what he's telling you through it. And uh, in Ephesians, it says salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. There's a lot of people out there that thinks, thinks oh, I can, do, I can do all this, and I'm going to be good. God's going to let me in heaven. Guess what? That's not what it says. It won't work that way. But what did Jesus tell the young rich man? He said, Lord, do you keep all of my commandments? He, oh, I've done all that. And Jesus said, good, go sell everything you got, come follow me. Um, well, Lord, I got a lot. Mm-hmm. Go sell it all, come follow me. Your money, your house. And I can tell you, your kids, your grandkids, your business, 
not willing to give it to him, you're, you will come to a place where you will. You'll want to if you follow Jesus because you'll know something's going to click in your head. It, it happened for us with our kids, seeing we're struggling, trying to do things, and then realize, I can't do this anymore. Jesus, you take it. And let me tell you, it worked so much better than me trying to do it. Wow. Whew. You wind up with wives and education's getting completed, and we're finding, you know, they're finding jobs, and I'm like, hey, this is a whole lot less than me trying to do all the fun, making the phone calls and, you know, introducing them to people and stuff like that. It, it works so much better when I just let God do it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Galatians 2.20. If I ever had a tattoo, I told somebody this is probably what I would get. I'd have it tattooed on my arm. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Get this now. He loved me and gave himself up for me. One version says gave himself up for me on a cross. And a lot of people don't. Muhammad didn't die. Muhammad didn't die for Allah. Buddha didn't die so you, you could get enlightenment. No other, no other person has sacrificed himself to repair what man broke except for Jesus. And that's what he wants. He wants to be our foundation, our reason for living from now and forever. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. Jesus wants to be the center of your life, but you have a choice to make. If you've made that choice, praise God, man, you, 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 you're moving on, you know. He, but he wants more, more for you than just to be in heaven with him. He wants you to walk with him daily. And, and, and when he walks with you, well, you know it or not, you're part of Jesus' story. The Bible, all of it in its, in its whole entirety, points to Jesus in the Old Testament. And after that, it all tells us about Jesus and, and the effects of what following Jesus looks like. That's why I love it so much. But all of it, every bit of it. But your story, if you follow Jesus, your story matters. You, you follow Jesus one step at a time, but your story is going to impact somebody like nobody else can. It makes Jesus', Jesus story and the gospel real to people. Uh, our road map, our bridge to restore our relationship with God from now and forever is Jesus. But right now, your story is going to impact others around you way more than trying to hit them with the whole book of John. You can't, I mean, people need to really physically see how Jesus has changed your life, and they won't know unless you tell them. But if you know Jesus, praise God. But if you don't, if you're watching us online today, and you don't have a relationship with, John, uh, with Jesus, I want to read this verse for you, and I want to tell you what he says in Romans. How to know Jesus, how to have a working relationship with him. And in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth, 
Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with a mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. It's that simple. It's not a bunch of jump through the hoops. It's believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You don't have to confess it to me. You confess it to God. You confess it to your wife, to your kids, to your school teacher. I don't, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It just needs to be said. I've chosen to follow Jesus. And uh, one thing I want to do is I'm going um, to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. What I'm going to do is right now is give, give everybody here and everybody watching online a chance uh, to ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life, to let him be your way, your truth, and your life. And to know that he is the son of God. He's the source of everything. And if you want that for your life, if you want to know that you know that you know that he is your Lord, please pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, right now I confess you are the way, the truth, and the life. I ask you now, Lord, to forgive my sin, to come into my life, and to be my Lord. Teach me, Lord, to listen to you and follow you every moment of every day with each step I take. Be the source of everything I do and my foundation. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody can look up. If you said that prayer, I want you to do something for me. Uh, reach out to somebody. If you're here at church and you did that today, find me, uh, find Tyler, one of the other people in our church, and tell somebody because that confess part is a big is a big thing. If you're watching online, drop us a comment, send us, shoot us an email at divine.tv. We'd love to hear from you and help you take those next steps and connect with other believers in a church who loves Jesus and can help you in your walk with him. We're going to have our praise team come up and have our final uh, worship song. And uh, thank you guys for letting me speak with you today.
So glad that you guys could be with us today. If you hadn't had a chance, stop by the garden. Ruby's got some good stuff to eat. And uh, Alex will bring in the preach next week. Yay. And uh, I don't, thank goodness I won't have to. But anyway, you guys love, love that you're here to join us online. See you guys next week. <laughs>